Welcome to Bancroft's Broadcasts, the school podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils to find out more about the school and its community. This is the place to keep up to date and in touch with our school. So let's get into this episode of Bancroft's Broadcasts. In this episode of Bancroft's Broadcasts, we're meeting Matthew Lim, who is Deputy Head Academic at Bancroft School. We'll be asking Matthew about his role at the school, we'll be asking about his understanding of what makes the school such a special place to learn, and Matthew will be telling us about what he brings to his teaching career from his previous work. Let's meet Matthew now. I'm joined today by Matthew Lim, who is Deputy Head Academic at Bancroft School. Hello, Matthew. Hi, Clive. Lovely to meet you. I'm so glad you've joined us, Matthew. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about what you do at the school and about your impressions of the school. Uh, but let's get started by just considering your job title, Deputy Head Academic. That's not a, a job title or a role I've heard in those terms before. Tell me a bit about that. Well, so as Deputy Head Academic, I'm privileged to work across a large cross-section of the school. I work with different teams, each with different foci, and across the different elements of school from the moment uh, pupils join us and even before to the time they finally leave us and embark on their journeys to university and beyond uh, these teams seem to uh, or seek to extract the most from every moment that we have this privilege of spending with our pupils both inside the classroom and out at some times of year these may have greater prominence than others such as the public and internal exams that are happening at the moment and while GCSEs and A levels prima facie are the culmination of years of hard work for these pupils, uh, these alone should barely scratch the surface when representing the richness of school life that our pupils experience and will eventually leave us with. And my job is really to help our pupils navigate their way through education and at all points to ensure they're happy and healthy in order to discover more about themselves, their potential and their passions. That's a that's a, a big responsibility you have there. You, you you're covering quite a lot, aren't you? I do take the the weight of that responsibility very seriously. But again, like I said, uh, I have the privilege of working uh, uh, across many different teams uh, with many different uh, uh, colleagues who have uh, remits to focus in uh, more in depth in each one of these uh, foresight. So in essence, I have the privilege of getting a whole school view of all these uh, multiple cogs coming together. But again, it wouldn't be possible without the uh, dedication and professionalism of the many teams that I get the privilege to work with. I see. So you work alongside specialists in their particular subjects, their particular roles, but you get to step back, appreciate the entire process and just check that everything's happening as well as it possibly can for the pupils. Absolutely. It wouldn't work without those classroom interactions provided by our classroom teachers. It wouldn't work, again, organisationally without the heads of department uh, making sure that the schemes of work are best suited for uh, this current time, for the specifications they're working to for the exams, but also the co-curricular and the super-curricular that is built on top of the traditional academic experience that our pupils get. And it's really those Mm. bits of life experience that are crucial to overlaying it so that it's not just focused in on the exams per se in a mercenary way, but the exams Mm. are uh, the culmination of lots of hard work, lots of experiential learning that Mm. that just barely scratches the surface of. And their love and their passion and their engagement with their subjects are only possible through... The, the, the imbibing of that same passion by the colleagues I get to work alongside. Of. And, and some colleagues have a responsibility for that, particularly in the class. Others have a more organisational responsibility. And everything from the way the school works to how, how this is orchestrated really needs to be focused around the pupils. So 
in essence, in school administration, a lot of the organization goes to preserve and to maximize and to enhance that very precious classroom and outside of classroom interactions our pupils have with their teachers, but also with each other as well, which I think is quintessential in a good and thriving school, which I'm privileged to now be a part of. Excellent. How long have you been at Bancroft, Matthew? So I only started in January. And in Bancroft, what I've learned to really appreciate in the short time that I've been here is a school which really embodies some of the values which resonate uh, very closely with my own. And at Bancroft, some of its values are articulated in, in the following, a curiosity, kindness, integrity, courage, balance, and excellence. I think these are elements uh, or values that I strive to live up to myself and uh, what through my own life's journey I've really seen the importance of. And the lovely thing about Bancroft I find is there's resonance not just in the here and now with these values, but also the consistency and the resonance with these values throughout time as well. And we can trace this back to its founding principles, which were established on valuing diversity and the importance of service in the community are, again, uh, are things that I value and I think are important. And I think are important to highlight these in the lives of our pupils as well. So as you're relatively new to the school, how, how would you describe Bancroft as perhaps differing from other schools you've worked in previously, other schools you, you've met along the way? Uh, in, what, in, in what way do you find Bancroft's stands out? So I, I'm actually a second career teacher. I used to be a scientist before I was a teacher, but even since becoming a teacher, I've taught at a variety of different schools. My last school was an academically selective all-girls boarding school. So mm-hmm. contextually, operationally, a very different uh, uh, setup to, to how we are at Bancroft. Yet what I find uh, uh, striking is more in its similarity than its difference. As I said, the purpose, uh, the unity, uh, commonality of purpose amongst the staff body and the dedication it has to its pupils or our pupils, and then in turn, the hunger we have from our pupils to learn and achieve their best is just as much characteristic of Bancroft as it has been in my previous schools as well. You've alluded to something there about the the academic standards that Bancroft is known for. And I know from conversations we've had with pupils and other staff at Bancroft that there is a reputation, is it fair to say, that, that the school is quite academic. Some might even call it a hothouse um, academically. Is that your experience? How, how, how would you find that idea? If I might uh, unpick that question a little bit, if that's permitted. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with academic success in itself, as long as that, that is not what we are solely striving for. As long as pupils know that they should not place their value or gain their self-worth from their grades alone. I would like to see grades as evidence of a thriving pupil who loves learning rather than the end in itself. And as responsible educators, I feel we need to ensure that our pupils leave us with rich life stories and experiential education over and on top of the grades that they get. And these will prepare them for life beyond school. If I can uh, borrow from the aviation industry for a metaphor, I think every pilot learns the principles of airmanship, which are to be able to aviate, navigate, and communicate. And my heart, if I'm allowed to use that language for our pupils, is that they're able to aviate, they're, they're able to be strong and resilient, to be able to learn to love, uh, learn, well, learn to love, but to, uh, able to love learning in itself. Mm. They'll, they'll be able to navigate, to find the beauty in their own uniqueness and be able to chart a path that sees them in life beyond school. 
and the ability to communicate, to be able to relate with empathy, humanity, and humility to the people around them. I think that in itself are what we're striving for. The grades are just an evidence of that process being achieved. I see. That's impressive stuff. That's a nice way of, of understanding it as well, that those academic high standards are there to, to be celebrated, but they are evidence, you're suggesting, of, of something bigger, something a bit more meaningful that, that is helping people to, to become fully rounded as human beings as they, as they move through the school. Absolutely. And I think academic success uh, looks very different to different pupils and the nature of the subject they choose and the uh, breadth of uh, choice that they get. You know, really uh, uh, work organisationally to say we want them to be able to curate what's best for them. But again, the messaging cannot be just uh, the utility of school is to get good grades. And that's where the distinction between us and an archetypal hothouse couldn't be any further apart. Because the grades in themselves are not what we see of as being the end product of education. It's a well-balanced, thriving pupil that has a good sense of self and is able to uh, find themselves uh, embedded and serving the community. That's a successful Bancroftian leaving our school, not just one with good grades. But we shouldn't shy away from the fact that grades provide a utility for their futures, absolutely. But they shouldn't be the sole metric that are that we value in terms of our success. And it shouldn't be the sole metric that people leaves us with. I think their life stories, their life journeys, and what we set them up to go on to achieve, perhaps speaks more resonantly with our values and more consistently with the principles that uh, we try and invest in them over their time in school, over and above the grades that they leave us with as well. Now, Matthew, I heard when you came for your interview at Bancroft's, you brought a potato with you. I have to ask you about this. A potato. So the potato itself is only one half of the story. I'm a visual learner myself. And what I find very helpful uh, uh, are visual metaphors. And the potato, uh, in concert with another prop that I brought, uh, which was a straw or a few straws, uh, was part of a visual metaphor. Let me paint you a picture. So the the, the potato itself serves for me as a metaphor. A potato has huge potential. You might detect that I'm a foodie uh, underlying all this. It can be made into creamy mash, pillowy, gnocchi, or triple cooked chips. But all of these need careful and specific treatment in order to achieve the best outcome. And like problems or challenges our pupils face along the way, each would need to be handled carefully and uniquely. Now, I use this analogy with the pupils I teach. I often compare our perception of self to be like a straw. And when I ask them what is inside the straw, the answer usually comes back, nothing. Now, adult or student alike, we have had times when we feel hollow, when we feel that what's inside of us uh, is marginalised or or worse, empty and worthless. And what happens is our ability to battle through challenges and overcome them becomes compromised. So as a visual metaphor, I strike the straw against the potato and the straw crumbles as it hits the surface of the potato. That's only one part of the story. So however, if we learn to hold on to what is inside of us, to treasure what defines us, we can overcome what we intuitively thought impossible and to accomplish great things. And this is a little experiment you can try at home. If you cover the top of the straw with your thumb and mind uh, the other side of the potato when you're doing this, you can actually pierce through the entirety of the potato using that straw which previously crumbled otherwise. And the scientific explanation for this is that it's the air in the straw, and the metaphor comes here, just like the values we impart to our pupils, though invisible, easily taken for granted, is in fact the reason for its strength. But the only way to harness this 
is to cherish, invest in it, and to grow and develop it. And that's the reason why I brought a potato and a straw for my interview. I'm sure after listening to this interview now, everyone, just to satisfy the curiosity, will be heading for their kitchen looking for a straw and a potato. Does this characterise a lot of your approach to the challenges that you face and the tasks you face, looking at alternative ways to approach things, alternative ways to, to look at things? I think sometimes in terms of communicating an ethos, it's not easy because sometimes words mean different things to uh, different people through the lens of experience. But, you know... Uh, um, any metaphor has its limits of and, and boundaries in terms of its efficacy and how far you can extrapolate it. But sometimes something which is visually unequivocal, something that you can put a visual cue to an ethos which might be a little bit vague, actually brings together us focusing on a commonality. And yes, uh, metaphors will fail if you push it to the extremes. But really sometimes the ability to communicate at various different levels in terms of an ethos or whether it's communicating um, something which is technical in lessons, I think the variety of pedagogy uh, are ways in which we enhance that classroom interaction are things that we experiment with in, in our teaching and learning all the time as well. And the lovely thing about being a new member of this community is being able to see snippets of these centres of excellence, the, the, the times when we as teachers are learning through shared practice and also learning through trying new things and modelling to our pupils that, you know, we don't have the perfect solution every time in terms of um, maintaining that dynamic between the best form of teaching, translating the best form of learning, and that we as teachers are happy to innovate, happy to try things that don't work, and happy to fail and learn from it. And we set that expectation for ourselves and willing to innovate in that realm, and hoping that some of that will impart to our pupils and the agency they feel to be able to innovate, learn what's best, and learn their best form of learning as well. So that's something that yeah we, we do all the time as, in terms of our teaching practice. And the lovely thing about being in my role is I get to see these across the piece and over time we get to share best practice among the staff body which is always lovely to see. Now Matthew you mentioned that you haven't always been a teacher you told me you were a scientist before becoming a teacher could you tell us a bit more about that what, what sort of work were you doing? So I, I was in fact a scientist uh, before I was a teacher and I, I love that time immensely in terms of my life's journey and it is for, it's formed an integral part of, of me and I was really fortunate to that my journeys had led me to some very prestigious institutions like Cambridge and later MIT. And I was so honored to have worked alongside some really eminent names in the field. And they have left an indelible mark on me. And in some ways, I seek to emulate, embody and honor my collective experience uh, through the different labs that I've been part of. But more than science per se, uh, their investment in me has cultivated a deep love for learning and in many ways I hope that I too will be able to pass that on to the pupils that are in my charge. And if, if I may uh, overshare and give you a personal anecdote. No, please do. I got my PhD uh, in a field called fluid mechanics. And before I was a teacher, I was on a train from Cambridge to London on a, on a, on a date with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And I was trying to explain to her something quite nuanced and quite quite geeky. I was trying to explain to her why we don't necessarily feel cold when we go swimming in the cold pool okay. for, uh, after a while. And, and I was trying to explain that using uh, uh, some form of fluid mechanics called boundary layer theory or the boundary layer effect. But 
Being quite a visual learner myself, I was illustrating this by drawing to her on a napkin. Now, years later, before I went for my first teaching interview, she had actually saved that napkin and she gave me as a gift before I went for my first teaching interview a framed picture of that napkin and it said uh, with, a, with, with the caption, uh, when one teaches to learn. And I've loved uh, of teaching and learning from pupils. So would you say there's actually a reasonably close connection between your earlier career and your career these days that science and teaching possibly overlap in more ways than I realised? Absolutely. And in terms of knowledge, at whatever level, uh, um, all the way from primary, all the way to further education and beyond, there's an element of imparting and investing in the next generation, which I've been privileged to have been mentored by as I said earlier, some, some really eminent scientists. And I've had the privilege of also uh, investing back in undergrads and uh, master's students on my journey as an academic as well. So the stretch between doing that at higher education, which is what I really loved on top of the research, uh, is what is also conserved in, in secondary education and my experience as a secondary school teacher as well. So, you know, it, it is really sometimes uh, life's journeys take you in different ways. And uh, again, uh, um, Sometimes we don't find uh, that resonance between what uh, we really, really enjoy and what we feel we were built right. for until life has shown us a few more bits. And I, I realized uh, that over on top of the research, I really loved being able to get someone else interested about something which is nuanced. I, I loved being able to pass through my interests, my curiosity, my passion. You know, uh, and, and that's really uh, my journey uh, as a teacher, post being a scientist, but a lot of the values that I uh, um, develop through being a scientist, I try and find a way to work into my lessons and in terms of the values. And then now in my current role, in terms of the ethos behind some uh, organizational decisions that uh, we make along the way as well. But regardless of whatever level we are as teachers, I think if the values are right and the values are conserved, then organizationally, all the way down to the classroom, uh, um, these interactions have a consistency and uh, about them. And I think if our values are placed in the right place, then pupils can see that genuine uh, translation of that at, at different levels throughout school, from organisation all the way to their one-to-one -one interactions with their teachers and their peers. I really like the way you've explained that transition from scientist to teacher and the way that there was more of an overlap uh, than maybe some of us would have guessed. It almost sounds like your your flair for teaching and your career in teaching almost began um, before you'd left your previous career. That's a really nice set of ideas for us to think about. Now, as well as being reasonably new to Bancroft's, are you reasonably new to, to, to that part of, of England, to North East London, Essex? Uh, have you recently arrived there? I have. Uh, and one of the lovely things about relocating to uh, Woodford from the Cotswolds where I used to work uh, is that I get almost the best of both worlds. I, we have Apping Forest on our doorstep, which is absolutely gorgeous. And I've only scratched the surface of the, the walks we can go on. And I have a... Uh, 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 my wife with two daughters and we've been enjoying exploring the nature but also being within striking distance of central London and all that has to offer as well has been huge so being able to access uh, with the opening up of theatres everything that the creative uh, art scene and museums have to offer has been a real plus. So location wise this has been a nice move for you to get to combine countryside and the city it's working out nicely. Absolutely. And you mentioned walking there what else do you do? It sounds like you're 
your working life sounds busy. It sounds like with that responsibility and that the way you approach it and apply yourself to it, it, it sounds like it can be quite intense. How do you relax? How do you unwind of an evening of a weekend? So uh, one of the, the things I, I love to do is I, I play music. I play the guitar and the bass guitar. And I've got uh, uh, daughters uh, who are 10 and 8 at the moment. And what we uh, love, the weather helps and plays a part in, in this as well, but we love uh, long country walks and appreciating nature. And the same way that we try and encourage our pupils to be mindful of their mental health and to be able to create some room for their own well-being. I think as teachers, educators and administrators, sometimes it's really important for us to uh, hold ourselves to the same advice that we dish out as well and to be able to carve out that time for family, for well-being, for space and reflection in order to give us perspective on what is, as you rightly say, a very busy job. Excellent. Matthew, thank you so much for everything you've told us. You've given me a really nice insight into not only your approach to education and, and to your role, but how that seems to fit quite nicely in with Bancroft's values and the way Bancroft's approach things. You've mentioned communication and innovative ways of, of communicating and explaining ideas. And you've mentioned priorities. You've mentioned an idea of remembering what's really important as children pass through at Bancroft School and become young people. Thank you so much for everything you've, you've told us. Thank you very much for your time and it's been lovely being interviewed by you. That was Matthew Lim, Deputy Head Academic at Bancroft School. Matthew gave us a lovely insight there into what it means to be part of the Bancroft's community, how the school's values reflect his own approach and what he brings to his teaching career from his previous work. Thank you so much for joining us, Matthew. That's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school website, bancrofts.org. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.